Welcome to Lax Historical Context. I'm Sean. I am Sasha. And this uh, new episode, uh, we've long joked about and long promised a quote-unquote, meanwhile, what the fuck was Japan doing? Yes. Uh, we finally have gotten around to uh-huh. one. Uh-huh. I mean, mine's very Western-centric, so it's still like, what yeah. was Japan doing? But what was America doing? Yeah, yeah mine, is, mine is more, more, what was Japan doing to America? Um, yeah, no, so today's, today's topic, we are discussing uh, Japan and World War II, but not from the perspective of getting blown up with the biggest bombs ever. Yes, and we are very sorry for that, and... Um, I would love to go to J- so okay actually I almost went to Tokyo a couple years ago. I'm not gonna say I would love to go to Japan. I am so freaking torn about it because I don't like crowds. I don't like mass amounts of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tokyo terrifies me. Yeah. But at the same time, Tokyo intrigues me because I'm like, but their Seven Elevens have everything. Yeah, yeah. I I almost went to Tokyo a few years ago. Uh, you remember, I don't know if you worked with her, her name, she's from Japan, her name is Yu? Yeah, yeah and yeah, she yeah. had a wedding up in Tahoe, right? Yeah. Didn't she get married in Tahoe? No, yeah. no, no. No, she got she's married in Tahoe, didn't she? Yeah. No, 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 she's not married. Oh. I still keep in touch with her, she's not married. Somebody, oh, it was an older student worker then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, no, she, you know, she's come here and visited several yeah. times. I email back and forth with her occasionally, and she was like, dude, if you decide to come to Tokyo, I will show you the places where tourists need to not go that would be great i should like we should do a podcast tokyo trip because there you go i would like that but i also want to do a tokyo disneyland trip with my family because that would be cool yeah i mean that place is like epic they they do theming yeah so well (laughs) yeah no so i i tried to go i saved money for a while but then the real world has a way of kicking you in the balls and i also making you use the money mm, that you were saving for other things and i was like you you got a car didn't you i did need a new car yeah Uh, when your old one dies on you yeah "Ah." i have parents for that thanks mom and dad (laughs) Um, actually, no. My dad was just like, have fun at the dealership. <laughs> no, I got, so my parents got me a yellow bug, and then that yellow bug got totaled. Yeah. And so the person who hit me got me a Volvo. Nice. And then Ben, the tech guy, bought me my, my current car. <laughs> yes. So so anyway, long story short, we are talking about Japan mm-hmm. and World War Two today. We've long discussed it. We've long joked about it. It's actually happening. Uh, mine is equal parts goofy. And terrifying if it had worked. Mine. Yours is. A I thing. think I know what yours is now. Now that you've just said it, that it was goofy. I think I know what yours is now. Okay. But mine was a thing, and uh. Yeah, my at, original one. I changed my original. As one. you guys might know, I went to Alaska earlier this year, and it really like sparked. Well, one, I was also obsessed with the Northwest Passage earlier this year, and it all ties in. Yeah. It all ties in with a bow. But for the record, I was obsessed with the Northwest Passage, and then somebody who will remain nameless because he's a fucking asshole uh, <laughs> paid for me to go to Alaska. He knows what he did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, and then I was like, oh, Alaska, Northwest Passage. And then we went to the History Museum in Juneau, and they had a whole like exhibit about this, so that was cool. Um, but on another completely side note, when we go to Japan, can we go to the Monkey Hot Spring place? We can go anywhere. Where monkeys and everywhere. hang out in hot springs? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Hell yeah. Why not? Fuck yeah. I wanna go to like I wanna go just not to go to Tokyo, but like the other towns like Kyoto and I only know Kyoto. <laughs> I was waiting for I you to name say, some more. I was gonna say Hiroshima, but I don't I don't wanna go there. <laughs> I just You know there was a dude that survived both. Yeah. Yeah. That poor guy. If we go there, I am going to pretend I'm a hundred percent Mexican. I will find a sombrero. I'll have like my pocket sombrero and be like, no, no speaking the English. No, no, no hablo inglés. In your fucking Spanglish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No hablo inglés. Representing your people well. Uh-huh. All right. Burrito. So, <laughs> so today's uh, <laughs> beverage. Mm-hmm. Um, it relates to my topic very loosely. Also, are we going to do a quick shout out to the brewer we know and love for this 
this lovely brewery is his new employer. It's actually, if now that I'm looking at, because we recorded before another episode before this, it is a very Adam centric employment day yes it is <laughs> uh-huh. uh yeah yeah um yeah no so this is it's made by 50 50 brewing mm-hmm. uh adam you rock adam we love you and you we, know we do we are sorry about vlad in your house but molly came in last in fantasy last year so that's just you just have to live with that consequence uh-huh. and you two are married so i don't know if this is one of those for better or for worse things but uh yeah 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 Actually, so right now, you guys can't see this because it's a podcast. I am going to text one of our number one fans, although Marie might have surpassed Molly because she got behind, uh, a picture of her husband's brew that we are drinking. Anyway, so uh, because of my topic, uh, we are drinking the West Coast Haze. It will become clear when I I discuss my topic more. But it is is 50-50 Brewing's West Coast Haze uh, India Pale Ale. The I typically do not like IPAs, but I love them. I know you do, so I'm prepared to hate this. But I thought, have it was you had a? Because this is a this is a hazy, so they're a little. I feel like they're a little bit different than a normal IPA, and that's what I hear, which is yeah. part of the reason. But I it, was this okay with also isn't because I feel like New England is more known for their hazies, and oh my god, this isn't. I'm like this isn't an alcohol podcast, but it is. So what I'm <laughs> saying is. <laughs> Hazy-wise, I just like hazies. I feel like they're more mellow, personally. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward. So this is our unique twist on the New England-style craze of a hazy IPA. Loaded with Calypso, Azaka, Mosaic, Amarillo, and Eldorado hops. Juicy, hoppy, and delicious. West Coast style. Let's just say the West Coast is the best coast. It is the best coast. Find your balance. All right, so this is the West Coast Haze IPA. You can open it right into the you can right into the mic. These bad boys. Oh, I love. They are a pint. I love pint cans. Mm, Me too, and they have that that awesome texture from the artwork on the Mm -hmm. can. I love it. Mm. All right, I love it. It is so. It's hoppy. It's like I just I like IPAs though. Oh. So it tastes like an IPA, if you're wondering. Um. There's a, yeah. not, not, not especially bitter for an IPA. Yeah. So what I've always hated about IPAs is just the the fucking overdrive on on hops, which like I like I like a good hoppy beer. Yes. But the flavor just needs to be balanced with other things. Uh, there, there's one brewery. I won't name them because we'll probably drink from them at some point. Does it is, does it rhyme with schmishmission? <laughs> Okay, there's two breweries <laughs> um, where they they could make any beer and they will fuck it up by overloading it with hops when you're not fucking supposed to. I don't know what to. the other one you're talking about is because all I can think about is schmishmishin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, no, no. But there, there's those ones where it's just like, I can't do it. Stop fucking up your beer with hops. The right IPA, like Icky from last episode, uh-huh. I love them. That we didn't drink, but we talked about. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I love them. But this one, the the first sip, there's a there's a good little spike of hops, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, but then it goes away really quick. I don't think you're gonna c- like continue sipping on this because I still get the hops in me. Ooh, wait, oh, here's no. the burp to judge the hops. Oh, uh, hoppy. Hoppy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, so like I take a sip, and there's a little bit of hops, and it's there, but it's already gone, and I'm left with the actual flavor of the beer. Yeah. And it's good. Like, I am enjoying this beverage, and I normally am not a big IPA guy because the hops ruin it. This is very good. Which leads me to believe that Adam himself must have made this exact can. I am so sad because, so I texted Molly. Oh, God. And I was like, hey, this is what we're drinking for the podcast today. She's like, I am also drinking beer. And uh, she's oh, drinking fuck. Space Dog from Fifty Fifty, which we could have fucking used, and I wanted to pick up for our uh, Russian space—the one I did about Leica. You did get that. I did. No, it was from a different brand. I've never bought a Fifty Fifty beer. Oh, oh, that, remember, oh, that's right. Yeah, it was uh, Space Goat. Yeah. From uh, uh, Elysium. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, but they no, have no, no, one. Not Elysium. I was at Elysium in Tacoma. No, it's a. Uh, wow. Uh, We're not doing well I, in this episode. I also call it a lesion. Yeah. Well, we had a big beer before this. <laughs> so that's <laughs> probably not the best. Right. Um. Anyway, so shout out to Molly. She was like, if you're able to share, this is what I'm drinking. And I'm like, I'll share. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, that's you. good. But no, so the West Coast Haze IPA from 5050 is very good. I personally blame Adam for the, the deliciousness of this beer. Uh, I still want that fucking pumpkin beer you were making uh, when when you bragged to me how it contains no actual <laughs> pumpkin, yet tasted more like pumpkin than anything I've ever had outside of fucking pumpkin seeds. Again, if we could have a private brewer, oh my God, we should ask Adam if he could brew us something just for the podcast. If he could teach us how to brew something and then Ooh, we brew it. A special episode where Adam teaches us how brewing works. Oh, that'd be fun. Adam, we'll call you. I'll text you because I text you when I'm drunk. So All right, that works. <laughs> so let's discuss the Japanese in World War II. Yes. Sasha, please get us started with your discussion. Um, I'm excited to hear this because I, I this is something I've wanted to read more about and just never have had the time. You're going to be disappointed because halfway through I realized I hate reading about military strategy and kind of winged it the rest of the way. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> God damn. Well, at least you name your sources. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Too much spit in my mouth. Okay, so Atu. Atu? Atu? A-T-T-U. A-T-T-U. So yeah, we'll wanna, go to Star Wars. If you it's want, A-T-T-U. If you want to sound <laughs> fancy, I suppose it's like Atu. Atu. But if you want to sound like me, it's Atu. Uh, <laughs> it has a double T noise, so yeah. Atu makes grammatical Atu. sense according to English, right? Um. And the code name for this, by the way, during World War II was Operation Land Crab. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and my subtitle on this one is like, they like invaded us. <laughs> they tried. Uh, well, they did because it's an American area. Okay. So Atu is the last island in the Aleutian Island chain off the south coast of Alaska. Yep. So it's like that little like the little whoop that yep. goes down from Alaska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was included in the purchase of the Alaskan Territory in 1867, a.k.a. <laughs> Seward's Folly. We yeah. all know about oh, that. Man, that was, if you don't know about that. That was amazing. You probably don't because we don't, you know. People uh, just walking around literally picking massive chunks of gold <laughs> off the ground. This is ours <laughs> now. Okay, And so Russia <laughs> going, fuck! <laughs> God damn it. Who gave that to Seward? Uh, so for about 75 years prior to WW2, World War Two. Wow, WW Two. Well, it's okay. My grandpa served. I can say it like that. <laughs> um, the island basically was uninhabited. Uh, the main settlement uh, for the people that lived on Atu were on Shagoff Harbor. The population consisted of forty-five Aleuts, a subset of the Eskimo Inuit people up in Alaska. Yes. Um, and I have heard of them outside of this topic. Yeah, and two Americans. <laughs> a school two Americans. Two Americans. A school teacher by the name of Foster Jones and his wife, whose name they don't give in the book that I read. Uh, I looked it up on the internets, and I guess her name was Etta. And they basically lived off the land. Uh, and so when we first bought the Aleutian Islands in Alaska, the U.S. government thought, Let's release some blue foxes onto the island because why the hell not? You got to clear out any leftover ruskies. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So uh, they would also live off the land and the blue foxes that were released by the U.S. government. So in in the book that I read, it was that he was a school teacher, Foster Jones and Etta were. Uh, but I was just doing some random like Googling, so I'm not going to cite those sources. But they said he they worked for the... Um, Indian Affairs Bureau, and so they were there specifically with that branch of the government. Okay. But the source that I read said they were just school teachers. So, <coughs> on June 3rd, 1942, Japanese soldiers invaded Chicagoff, Chicagoff, Chicagoff Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> I do love your pronunciations. They are classic. <laughs> um, and in the book I use for my sources... It said that Mr. Jones killed himself, and Mrs. Jones tried to kill herself, but she failed. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, bummer. But other places on the internet say that the Japanese killed Mr. Jones. So, whatevs. Um, 
so Mrs. Jones and the Aleuts, the 45 Native American people that were there, were taken prisoner and sent to Japan, hmm. which is a bummer. Yeah, it's a huge bummer. And actually, so more reading <laughs> Just that Just a I couple d- weeks ago, I talked about the Japanese cannibalizing their prisoners. Uh-huh. Ooh. Well, and so they were sent off to a, a Japanese like internment camp, basically. Mm. And then, um, so they came back after the war. They weren't allowed to go back to their island. That's... Yeah. <laughs> God. It's pretty fucked up. Uh, Dude, U.S., come on, man. I Make know. an exception. Uh, so. Oh, man. The island itself had no defenses, and so a small force qui- quietly took the island. Just. We didn't care about it. It's up there in Alaska. So does that actually count as an invasion if they're like, we took this from you, and you're like, we weren't defending it. Yeah, we weren't. <laughs> well, the, the, there were always, like, there was the Alaskan defense, like, branch of the army. Mm-hmm. But again, the Aleutian Islands are so far off of uh, the Alaskan yeah, coast. Yeah, yeah, They're not exactly close. No, like, when Sarah Palin says she can see, like, Russia from her backyard, that's what she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, how, how big are the islands? They're tiny. I don't know how I... Ne- I like, looking at the map in my source material, which I don't have with me, unfortunately, uh-huh. it's a tiny island. Right. It's so not large. Would it be feasible that they intended to use it as, like, like a staging ground or, like, a yeah. fueling thing? Well, and that's what the ja- why the Japanese took it, because they're like, we can build an airstrip here or on the next island over. Okay. And it, the Lush, so Atu was the last uh, little island in that chain of islands. So they're like, well, once we have this, we can continue to, like, right. island hop in. Let's see. Uh, a quick glance at Wikipedia. I know I'm terrible. Uh, it is 35 miles by 20 miles. So not so big. It's not huge, but a lot of room for military staging ground because mm-hmm. that's 350 well, square miles. Well, it is and it isn't because the terrain there is not ideal. Okay. It's very okay. Ma- it's like mountainous and craggy sort of thing. So, um, in September, the Japanese decide to leave Atu and go to Kiska, which I don't think is the same as Kitska, because this is K-I-S-K-A, and I think Kitska is a different one, right? I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Heidi, call me, um, and you can <laughs> tell me what it is. <laughs> Love you, bitch. Okay. Also, <laughs> test to see if Heidi listens. Uh huh. I know she does. I don't think she does. Um. So people, <laughs> <laughs> she'll you'll get a text in like two weeks when I post this. Going, I fucking listen. <laughs> you cunt. <laughs> Ouch. Um. So people aren't really sure why the Japanese left Atu in the middle of September. They're just like. We're over it. We're going to go to this other island. Well, maybe they found the, the terrain and they were like, you know, we can't build shit here. Yeah. But then um, on October 29th, so they left in September. And then October 29th, more Japanese forces landed on Atu to establish a main base. They were sent there to build an airstrip so, while on the island. So we let them take it twice? Well, okay. So <laughs> we let them take it. And then they left for a bit. And then we let them come right <laughs> we back. We let them come back. They took another island and next it, to that island. At no point did they think, hey, maybe if this island mattered, they would be, like, defending it. But they kind of, like, didn't know that they left. So they, I think they were That's just like, whatever. That's That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The Japanese, at no point did they be like, we've conquered this island twice, and we have fought exactly zero <laughs> Americans. They'll fight Americans soon. Maybe they don't care. Yeah. (laughs) So Japan's main goal for the island was to build an airstrip because to go to Japan from the United States, they would they liked an idea of having like a landing base to go midway midway point, basically. Sure. Um. So on the American side of things, what we have going on is (laughs) a midway point, (laughs) not named Midway Island, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Also, that movie coming out. Looks fucking terrible. So I was side sidebar. 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 Can we watch Pearl Harbor? I've never seen it, and I love Ben Affleck, but I feel like it's gonna be a shit show. And I, I mentioned that in my thing actually. And in other my notes and other here. side note, I think when we first got our DVD player, the first two DVDs we got, three DVDs we got. I remember getting Chicken Run, Pearl Harbor, and the complete Monty Python collection. I don't know what my family, <laughs> how my family thinks. 
I want the Monty Python collection. I've let's seen Chicken Run so many times. Let's do a historical accuracy episode of Pearl Harbor. It's so long, though, isn't it? It is. It was their attempt to do a historical epic in the, the days mm. of old. But no, no, I will mention it. Okay. So anyway, on the American side of things. it's so fucking bad. They finally <laughs> decided that, hey, maybe these Japanese people are invading our fucking land. Perhaps we should do something. Right. <laughs> I mean... Even if it's a shitty island, we <laughs> really don't want... We got it because it was included with this real yeah, purchase. It was like our bonus gift for signing on. Right, like <laughs> right, exactly. It's it's if you sign up now, you get 10% yeah. off. Buy Alaska now, you get Atta. Yeah, Atu. Atu. So uh, they occupied the nearby island. So again, this is an island chain. So we have like Atu, we have Kiska, and then we have Attica and Atka. Um, which were close enough to Kitska and the other Japanese islands that were occupied to build airstrips so they could better attack Kiska. So yeah. their first goal was to attack Kiska and not Atu. Okay. The okay. U.S. decided, though, to send the 7th Infantry Division, which was currently training. So they're going... What, okay. year, what year was this? Oh, gosh. N uh, f I think it was 1943. 43? I want to say. Okay. Um, so guess what the seventh division was training for? <laughs> this one. Um, I'm going to say they were training to attack Tokyo. No, <laughs> they were training for desert conditions to work in Africa. <laughs> so they were in California training in desert warfare. Um, that's why instead I, that's why I know the seventh infantry god damn instead, it. Instead, those poor bastards got sent to Alaska a hundred percent unprepared I know for more, what they needed to do. I know more of this story than I thought I did. <laughs> because you said that and I went, That's who I fucking heard of involving this. So they lacked <laughs> the proper shoes, coats, basically everything. They were not prepared yep. to handle the conditions of the Aleutian Islands yep. in Mayish is when they they started to attack. So the attack of Atu was planned for May seventh, but due to weather, it was postponed. So that part of like Alaska isn't like crazy blizzardy Alaska, but it's like still horrible weather Alaska. Yes, which is all of Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> well, Although, you you're the one that's been there. You when can I speak went to, to Juno, it was delightful, and it's like a little. That's what you had said. It's so nice. We should go. <laughs> I would rather go to Tokyo. I mean, okay. Heidi will come <laughs> with us to Tokyo. She's been there before. I will email you and be like, "Hey, I need I need I need you to put two people up. We're going to record a podcast <laughs> and it's going to be a shit show, but I need you to show me all of Tokyo." Yeah, that would be so much fun. But like the cool places that tourists don't go. <laughs> and she'll be like, "Fuck yeah, we're going to be." But historically speaking because that's the focus of this podcast. I think we could make an exception. <laughs> we want Adam to come show us brewing for one. Historical brewing. Okay. <laughs> so. Do we should interview uh, Doctor Schoolman because he once gave a lecture on beer I, in history. I think I creep him out because I'm not Molly. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll also email him and be like, dude, here's the thing. I need. I need. You to come this and be episode, a guest on our podcast. I feel like has gone off the rails it's because gone very off we, the rails. <laughs> we drank such a large <laughs> beer before this. Such and then a after, heavy beer. After this, Ben's making us dinner. Ben the tech guy's also been the cook. And I'm drinking during dinner. And then I'm gonna make him drive us I'm, to Bowen's house I'm where not, we will drink there. I'm not drinking at dinner because I have to drive to Bowen's house. Well, you could just carpool with us. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, continue. I don't plan on being um, sober in the next day. So. <laughs> well, uh, then, set your bar high. Yep. May 7th, uh, it was supposed, they were supposed to land, the Americans were, and take back Atu. However, shitty ass weather. Shitty weather up there. Uh, quick, so, quick question. Uh, Have you hit the part in your notes where you just gave up and started? Not winning? yet. Okay, okay. I, I was, was going to ask. I was like, this sounds very detailed. Uh-huh. So the Japanese forces knew that the American forces were coming, but they thought they'd land soon and, like, attack. 
but because the weather was bad, they didn't land. And the Japanese horses were like, ah, fuck this, whatever. <laughs> we're going to go do our own thing. Like, yeah. we're over this shit. We don't want to wait for you guys anymore. Right. So no attack materialized. And so the Japanese went back to doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So the first landing party finally arrived on Attu. The first U.S. landing party finally arrived on May 11th at 1620. In Massacre Bay. Wait, wait. (laughs) Massacre Bay. Uh Uh-huh. But I don't know why. (laughs) Massacre Bay. It was called that originally, and I don't understand why. Like, I didn't look into the history of Atu Island. You keep going. I'm looking it up. Yeah. So so they headed for the Japanese camp, which was at Chagoff Harbor again. So the way it's set up is... From what I understand, like you go through a, a couple of passes to get to the harbor that where where the Japanese are stationed. Okay. So they're trying to get this one pass under their control, the USR. Okay. So um, the Japanese, because they're the Japanese, were a hundred percent prepared for everything on Atu Island. Yeah, well, I mean, especially considering that they were like invading it and clearly taking it i would fucking hope they were they had proper clothing they had proper everything they were on the island beforehand so they cached a lot of supplies so they wouldn't have to go back to their main base if they were fighting up in the pass yeah so they were they were fucking good to go unfortunately i guess not unfortunately i don't know it's war whatever uh the japanese troops not the japanese troops the american troops were not well prepared at all yeah it took about a day for their supply ships to also land on Atu. god some people said they didn't eat until like noon the next day yeah they had no real supply chain set up um they were cold this was also semi-trench warfare in world war ii yeah people died of trench foot this is making this is reminding me of Battle of the Bulge. Yeah, there, there was some pretty fucked up shit going on. Damn. Meanwhile, the Japanese were just I like, didn't know this. whatever, we're good. We also have the defensive position. We yeah. have the pass. We're looking down on them. We're good to go. Yeah. So the fight, fighting in Massacre Bay, went on for days. The U.S. actually had to send for more troops from Attica. Not Attica, but Adka. Ad. Ak. Adak. Adak. Attic, because it's ad and then ack. <laughs> you guys have no idea how fun it is to sit here and just watch her try to pronounce shit. Because you can see the, the wheels just turning in the head going, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, with every try. Oh, Molly knows. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, you know. Uh-huh. Nobody else knows. It's so, amazing. Again, they landed on the 11th. They've been fighting until May 17th. And Japanese troops were finally just like, uh, we're over this. So we're just going to leave. We're going <laughs> to leave this pass and we're just going to go back to our home base and like man up. This is the best way to defeat them. Just uh-huh. let them decide they don't want it anymore. This is also when I stopped caring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were like, they lost uh-huh. they, or they left, whatever. Yeah. So by like midday on the 17th or 18th, U.S. forces were like, hey, I don't I don't think they're there anymore. What are we shooting at? What are we shooting <laughs> Let's send a party. So one party went up the pass. It's Jarman Pass. And then the other party, because when we landed on Atu, there was a North Division and a South Division. And Jarman Pass was separating them. And so they go, the South Division goes and they meet the North Division. They're like, oh, they're not yeah. here anymore. Oh, hey, it's you guys. Yeah, cool. And th- and then and then Bob sees Steve and is like, I fucking hate that guy. If I shoot him, can I claim I thought yeah, he was Japanese? Claim. Yeah, he was Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. Like in uh, Wind Talkers. (laughs) 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 Terrible slash great film. Uh, So the Japanese troops went back to Chicago. Chicago? Whatever. (laughs) 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 Where they would be able to defend from another high ground position. The harbor itself was in a valley that forced the Japanese so the Japanese could easily protect. So if you're like in the army, I guess your base is in a valley and you have the positions around the valley mm-hmm. that's pretty sweet yeah you're good to go yeah, yeah yeah um but unfortunately eventually the americans were able to get so many troops over there that they were able to break through to the harbor mm. on may 29th the japanese soldiers made their last stand 
um, which they did. <sighs> so, is this where you wing it? No, this I was winging it here, but also. <laughs> I don't want to be racist. And oh, I, and this I is going to be fun. Like the term they used in the book was racist. And they said bonsai. They bonsaied the American troops. Well, I think that was it called. It was a bonsai charge. Yeah, right? so they yeah, did yeah, a bonsai yeah. charge. Yeah, that's okay, what it was so called. Okay, so it's not racist. Yeah, no, okay, I don't it's think not, so. It's not racist. Okay. I have never known it to be racist. Google and see if that's racist. So the Japanese did a bonsai charge against the Americans and, of course, lost. Um, eventually, so they were all gone from Atu. So, on May, so this is the end of the battle. A bonsai charge was a suicidal last-ditch attack mounted by Japanese infantry in World War II. Not the real name of the attack, but a name given by Allied forces because during the charge, a little bit racist. Japanese forces would yell "Tenno Heika Bonsai," which translates to "Long live the Emperor, Ten Thousand Ages." Ah. So not not completely racist. Um, a but bit the the tiny bit of racism is is based on what the Japanese would say, part so of their thing. In total, the Americans would end up burying two thousand three hundred and fifty one Japanese soldiers. Damn. However, they say that those numbers are probably higher because a lot of people, when they were doing their bonsai charge, just like held hand grenades and exploded. So you couldn't really like that makes sense. You can't count that as a full body. Yeah. Um. So. That's fucking intense. But this is the other number that's pretty crazy. Uh, in the end, only twenty-eight Japanese soldiers survived the attack of. Holy Atu. shit! Yeah. Out of how many? Uh, I'm not sure. They never gave me the uh, American. I mean, the Japanese numbers, mainly because this was an American source. Right. Um. And so, out of the fifteen thousand Americans that participated in the assault. The casualties were only 549. I mean, that's a pretty good success rate. But 1,148 were wounded. Wait, wounds count as casualties? No, casualties like death casualties were oh, 400. Oh, oh you're were, talking death, okay. Yeah, were 549. Wounds were 1,148. Okay, so... Um, another 2,000 were brought down by non-battle injuries and disease because they were so unprepared for the fighting. right. So that was from like trench foot, colds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the end, the American army took away that they were not prepared prepared for this sort of cold weather warfare. Yeah. Um, and then that they should really like, I don't know, equip their armies better. <laughs> wow. Um, so I read the capture of Atu, a World War Two battle as told by the men who fought there. The intro was by Gregory Irwin. Stories were compiled by Lieutenant Rover G. Mitt. So this was also an interesting book because they used the Battle of Atu as propaganda. Yeah. So they took Mitt's stories and published a little booklet during World War II, which they like distributed everywhere. Also, the U.S. Army Press Corps was stationed at Atu with the soldiers, and so they were writing back every week. And so the American public was oh. well aware of the attacks going on at Atu. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I thought it was kind of neat. All right. So that's when we were invaded because people think we've never been invaded, but we have. We have been, yeah. Canada also got us once. Sons of bitches. Yeah. Were they sorry about it? Uh, Probably. <laughs> but it was when the British, the British still directly oversaw Canada. Uh, that old Canada-Maine War. I don't remember what it was called, but way back when. So anyway, so my topic today... Ooh, actually, that would be a fun topic. The time Canada fought Maine, <laughs> and we won. <laughs> oh, man. I love... Have I ever told you how much I love the state of Maine? No. But only because... So when I was a little kid, I used to watch Murder, She Wrote with my, with my grandma. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with Murder, Murder She Wrote, guys, she's from Cabot Cove, Maine. Um, and so when we went on one of our big family road trips, my dad was like, we're going to Maine just for you. And so we found this little like fishing village on the coast of Maine. Yeah. And they're like, it's like murder. She wrote Sasha. And I'm like, wow. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. And then. I'm rewatching murder. She wrote right now. If you're yeah, yeah. 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 I figured considering your enthusiasm. I fucking love murder. She wrote. So my topic first, the stuff we know. Okay. Basic facts. Okay. Right. December 7th, 1941, 
The Japanese bombed the U.S. fleet at Pearl Harbor, bringing the United States into the Second World War. Lie. It was an inside job. I'm trying to start that conspiracy theory right now. Fuck you. Inside uh, job. <laughs> if you have seen the celebrated 2001 Michael Bay documentary, Pearl Harbor. It's by Michael Bay? <laughs> yeah. That should give you an idea how bad that fucking movie is. <sighs> this is going to be rough. It's a bad <laughs> it's movie. Like three hours, too, isn't it? And it's a bad three hours. But I really love Ben Affleck. Anyway, uh, if you've seen that, you know that in April of 1942, the United States responded with the Doolittle Raid, in which 16 American planes conducted a bombing raid on Tokyo, basically giving the Japanese military a reality check about our vulnerability <laughs> and giving the US a massive morale boost. Was it was it the bitch hold my beer moment? Like <laughs> hold my beer, I got this. Not quite. It was only a few planes and each one only uh. carried a few bombs. But it was basically to be like, look fuckers, we are not crippled. Mm -hmm. You did not defeat us. I would have preferred a hold my beer moment. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh no, no, we did that in 1945. I know, but would have been great <laughs> if we did it in 1942 instead. We, just like, hold my beer, bitch. We <laughs> had two of them in 1945, and each one made a city disappear. <laughs> um, Sorry so anyway, again. Yeah. So the Japanese continued this game of one-upsmanship uh, by vowing to hit at the American mainland. Your Aleutian Islands are cute. We're going to strike them fucking mainland, You right? know how you know the Aleutian Islands are not part of the American mainland? <laughs> Just try to get free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> so the Japanese had been designing balloons. Yeah, I, I know, know where you're fucking is. going, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you hear this, and you're just like, oh, fuck, god damn, this is going to be nuts. I know where you're going. This is going to be bullshit. Mm -hmm. uh, they've is. been designing balloons to interfere with the launch of American planes during the Guadalcanal campaign. But after the Americans you know, started winning that fight, all of a sudden they had a shit ton of balloons just kind of laying around, and they were like, what are we going to do with these fucking things? So they decided, you know what, if we're going to have to redo our plan with these things, let's aim high. <laughs> and <sighs> I, and I, there might be emphasis on the word high here, because when you first hear it, you're like, they did what? They were smoking some real good weeds. They opted that they were going to use these balloons from Japan <laughs> to bomb the American mainland. And thus it makes sense, it checks. Right, and thus the Fugo balloon operation was launched with the intention of igniting the forests of the Pacific Northwest and disrupting the American war effort. So here's the thing. Have you been to the West Coast, people? Because if you don't know the West Coast... I was about to say, are you asking me if I've been well, to no, the I'm, West Coast? Well, I'm asking our people because our forests are on fire Every fucking summer. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. Do you we think we're can not deal. prepared for this? It's fine. I guess Portland couldn't, though, because they're like, we're so damp here. Things don't catch on fire. We're and damp. And, and things are more damp in Washington. So. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> so now if you're like me and thus familiar with the West Coast, then the first question in your mind was, how the fuck do you launch a balloon mm -hmm. <laughs> from Japan and hit America. Because that's like, in flight terms, that's an eight-hour fucking flight to yeah, get yeah. to Japan. It's several thousand miles, yes. It's very long. Believe it or not, it's not actually that difficult. Because they would just use... The currents? The jet stream. Yeah. Ah, that that magnificent flow of air that goes really fast from west to east. That, I mean, that's it. It's really easy. Yeah. So they were like, okay, well, we have that solved. So they began manufacturing some balloons. Two types. Mm -hmm. First, the Japanese Navy's balloons. These were the quote-unquote type B uh, balloons in the plan. They were basically the meteorological scouts. Uh, they were sent over to determine the feasibility of actually sending bombs via balloon. Mm -hmm. uh, on November 4th, 1944, the Navy recovers, for the first time officially recovers, uh, one of these balloons outside of San Pedro, California. Where is San Pedro? Like, how far is it from? Is that L.A.? or? I, I didn't look up this information. No one cares. I care. I like... Then Google San Pedro. I don't care that much. 
<laughs> See, you don't care. Anyway, so it's outside San Pedro, California. Apparently, the U.S. Navy didn't care because they were like, nah, it's a weather balloon. It's <laughs> fine. We give zero fucks and, and about they, this. And they completely wrote it off. And now, because we're recording this the same day we recorded our Nevada Day episode, fun Nevada fact. Oh, Nevada fact. They didn't connect it to the Japanese bombs at the time. But Aliens? In, no, no. But in August of 1944 was the first confirmed appearance of one of these balloons in the U.S., it landed on a ranch in Urington. Ah, oh, Urington. Yeah. So the only thing to ever happen in Urington. Right. Uh so the type B balloons the navy wrote these first ones off but they just like kept finding them. Yeah. And holy shit. You could very loosely call this the Western United States. Basically what it means is the western half of the United States. Yeah. These balloons were found in Hawaii, California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, Arizona, Idaho, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, Iowa, Kansas, Michigan, Nebraska, Utah, and both Dakotas. Damn. <laughs> like, Michigan's far. Yeah, that's like, what I'm that's saying. Like, like, like the western half, if you apply that term very liberally. Yeah, like, damn. Like, they were also found uh, in the Yukon and the British Columbia in Canada. So the jet stream carries them north. Yeah, but they were also found in Mexico, too. So, yeah. Uh, so people in all these places started finding these balloons just sort of laying out in the wilds. Uh, some people thought they were parachutes, which is mm -hmm. why they would like call the U.S. military because it was during the war. They'd be like, hey, yeah. we found your parachute. Uh, but people that investigated them would find that they had little radio transmitters in them mm -hmm. so that the Japanese could see where they landed uh -huh. to determine the feasibility. Uh, as more of them were found, the various levels of government were like, fuck. Like, God damn it. <laughs> right. So they, they have Atu. What else do they what want? Else? Yeah. So they started doing some research and they were able to identify these balloons as being of Jap uh, Japanese manufacture. On January 18th, 1945, the Naval Research uh, Laboratory in Washington, D.C. announced, and I quote, It is now presumable that the Japanese have succeeded in designing a balloon which is capable of reaching the U.S. and Canada from the Western Pacific, carrying incendiaries and other devices, it must be assumed that a considerable, num a considerable number are coming over. But End quote. Did they find incendiaries? <laughs> I will get to that okay. in a moment. I'm like, I know um, in the story they did, but like at yeah. that point, had they found anything heavier than like Not yet. a book of matches? No, no, no. So for those uh, who note advances in technology, the U.S. just confirmed the existence of what is now considered the first ever ICBM, Intercontinental Ballistic Missile. And it was sent by fucking balloon. I mean, because the Japanese are just that's that just an cool. intercontinental ballistic balloon balloon missile. No missile. A missile implies some ability to, to guide. I'm getting there. You can't guide a balloon. No missile is just a a uh, an explosive that goes I, long distance. I don't care. You have <laughs> to be able to guide it. So the now so those were the Japanese Navy's balloons, these Type B ones, right? Mm -hmm. The actual Type A balloons in this plan were manufactured by the Japanese Army, and they were they were weatherproof. They were made out of basically what was paper, but it was like very durable, weatherproof, and they actually carried the bombs. They used altitude sensors and they had bomb release devices. So there's your little fancy schmancy technological prerequisite. No, no, because you can't still be like. Bomb Portland, and th they couldn't bomb <laughs> Portland. They'd just be like, wherever the balloon gets Wh close enough to. Why you got to bring up Portland? <laughs> <laughs> that was the pilot I almost did. <laughs> yeah. Tuobo or Nuobo Fujita. He bombed. He bombed Portland, and then in the sixties came back and was like, "I'm sorry," and gave them his family sword. And then they were like, "What did you do?" <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of people were pissed. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway, so um. Yeah, they were weatherproof. They carried these bombs, and they had basic altitude sensors, and they had bomb release devices. They were they were gas powered, so they would measure how long it took for for the the jet stream to carry it to the mm -hmm. U.S. And they would put a number an amount of gas in there that, as the gas depleted, it would take the approximate amount of time it would get to the U.S. 
And then when the gas depleted enough, the bombs would be dropped. Okay. Very basic, but it, you know, the in theory is fucking sound. The balloons uh, were big enough to carry either a 33-pound anti-personnel bomb or a 26-pound incendiary bomb, Ooh. which is a, that's a lot of explosives. Well, yeah, but at the same time, like, is that very, do they know how damp that area is up no, there? No, they do not, which I will get to okay. in a moment. Okay, it's um, a very moist area. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but if they had hit the right place, they could have done a lot of damage. And they, the, d- the bombs also had what was a very basic self-destruct system. After dropping their payloads, the, this other thing would trigger and they would sort of burn up, leaving no trace of mm-hmm. how the attack or damage was caused. Uh, so the announcement was right. You know, it's like this whole, we have to, you know, we have to assume that a large number are coming over. The Japanese had planned on sending between 10,000 and 15,000 over. That is a shit ton. That, that is, that they is. Should've, they should have, no offense to us. <laughs> they should have stuck with that plan. Right. Like um, now, here's, here's the fun part. The destruction of records in the war has made it impossible to know for sure how many were built and launched, but um, you know they planned on launching between ten and fifteen thousand. They manufactured ten thousand that we know of, and historians estimate, depending on various sources, obviously, between six and nine thousand were actually launched. Um, but remember, they had self-destruct devices in them. Yes. We don't know how many hit the U.S. because there's a decent chance that they hit and then just kind of burned up. Um, but some remains survived, and we have found evidence of around 200 of them. Mm-hmm. So if you think how many times the self-destruct devices worked and how many times it didn't, yeah, we probably got hit by a lot of them. Well, but I think you're also not calculating like weather and weather patterns oh, and no, no, things no. like I, that. I am. I'll get to that in a second. So there were there were two things, which for starters, the U.S. government basically ordered the press not to report any of this shit. Well, because it would plunge the western united states right? into mass hysteria it, right it would be panic yeah like ol- no you don't want and, that and they didn't want everyone to freak out but they also didn't want any japanese spies to hear about any of yeah. these stories so they would hopefully think it wasn't working and then they would abandon the campaign or just send more which would be counterproductive <laughs> well if they were you know spending all this money manufacturing them but they also mm-hmm. had to supply a war effort Oh, we just m- built fifteen thousand bombs and it did nothing. They're made. They're made of paper. How hard could that be? Like, <laughs> let's be real. It's not going to be oh, that no. expensive. The, no, the balloons are made of paper. The bombs are still bombs. Those cost money to make. So remember when I, the date that I said for when the Navy first found one, November fourth, nineteen forty-four. Yes. This all happens through the winter and spring in the United States. Very cold. Yes. Very damp in the Pacific Northwest. Very damp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fires didn't really start. Mm, yeah, they wouldn't. I feel like even in summer, because Portland rains like yeah, yeah. most of it's, the time. It's very damp, yeah. But this time of year specifically, mm. which, you know, fine. You know what? U.S. better lucky than good. Whatever. Yeah. Um, there is. This, this part kind of blew my mind. This was the most entertaining part of my read. There is one crazy exception to this that was almost an accident. No, it was an accident. Yeah. But the Japanese have no idea how close they were to changing fucking history. March 10th, 1945. Mm-hmm. One of these Japanese balloons hits a power line in Washington state. That power line is supplying power to Hanford Engineering Works. As coincident, uh, as coincidence would have it, Hanford Engineering Works is one of the many engineering firms that's contributing to the war effort. Well, I right? feel like everybody was contributing to the right. war effort at this right. time. They're like, let's be real. They're doing their duty. Do you know what Hanford was working on? I'm going to go with a bomb of some sort. Hanford was manufacturing plutonium <laughs> as part of the top secret project known as the Manhattan Project. Uh, I believe I know <laughs> what that project is, and it it would be very good if they stopped doing right? that. Yeah. So it, in hitting the power line, it actually delayed it for a few days, mm-hmm. not enough to fuck with it. 
But they it, imagine if that bomb was like uh, fifty feet to the left. <laughs> that would have they would have such yeah. a different. Yeah. Well, Han- not really though, because you know, like five other firms would have stepped in. Probably, yeah. But Hanford at the time manufacturing that plutonium. Yeah. And this this was March of nineteen forty five. This was a few months short of those bombs. That might have been the plutonium that went into those bombs, right? Oh man. Right. It was insane. Like not a high success rate. But it almost became very successful by accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only fatalities of the bombs actually occurred on May 5th, 1945, uh, in Oregon. This See, is this s- is the one I know about. Yeah, this is a sad story. Yeah. Uh, a reverend, his wife, and their five children, they were going fishing for the day. Uh-huh. Uh, they'd stopped. The reverend was off kind of scouting fishing sites. His wife and kids suddenly shouted that they'd found something. And then, boom. That's why you never poke anything yep. you find in the forest. Yeah, they accidentally set the bomb off by trying to move it. Mm-hmm. And as such, the reverend's wife and their five children are the only six people killed by uh, all of these Japanese devices. And they are the only six people uh, killed on the American mainland during World War II as a, as a part of the war effort. Um, the Japanese, they never launched a second balloon bomb campaign. Uh, because the U.S. by this point was getting closer and closer to the mainland, and you know we all know how that ended. Yeah, not well. Uh, the my main source for this, I really only had one source. I read like a a bunch of random articles on various like, you know, New York Times stuff like that websites. But the most of my information came from the article "Silent Destruction: Japanese Balloon Bombs," written by James M. Powell's. In the journal World War Two, uh, Volume Seventeen, Issue Six, published in two thousand and three. You know what's weird about doing this Japanese World War Two episode? We're in our podcast den, and we're just surrounded by Japanese yeah. things. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. like a Bulbasaur is staring down at me from a shelf, and, he and looks a Gretzko, mad. a Gretzko is looking at me with her metal hands. There's just so much Japanese stuff yeah. here. So I feel like we might have lost the world war. I don't know. We won the war, but we we won the resulting like pop culture. Yeah, we, we lost the pop, cu- pop culture struggle. No, won because we still get to own it. Look at this. That's the, true. These are amazing products. I don't know if they are. Those are that's my Build-A-Bear collection of Pokemon. I'll post <laughs> it on Instagram. My Snorlax is in the bedroom, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, so that's it. Those are, those are some uh, a couple of stories of the Japanese in World War II. Uh-huh. I would love to do more Japanese stuff. Let's do it. Not Let's go to Tokyo and record something. What is that? Weeboo? Isn't that like a derogatory term for white people who love... Japanese stuff. I, I don't know that term. No, I don't know it. I don't know. Anyway. I don't, I don't want to be one of those people. So I'm too fat for that. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it. Uh, listen to us everywhere you listen to your podcasts, preferably Spotify because of where we are hosted. All hail our overlords. All hail Spotify. All hail Spotify. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And when you tell your friends about lax historical context. Tell them we said something interesting.